The Haith is a land of endless possibility. Between vast stretches of land and sea are communities of animal folk, living life and sharing in its wonder. Flocks of buggy creatures also share in the bounty of the land, from herds of bumbles to beetles to moths delivering letters by moonlight. And although the war was recent and not forgotten, a widespread culture of hospitality and kindness fills the hearts of many. The lonely conquerors of the past will remain as such. So what are you waiting for? Journey is out there, just waiting for you to dive in, and stories are waiting to be found. Come join us for another adventure and see what lies ahead. And don't forget to start with your left foot forward. and welcome to Left Foot Forward. I am your host, Jonah, or Daisy, and this is a Wander Home actual play series where we build the wonderful land of Haith together and fill the world with beautiful stories. Wander Home is a game written by Jay Dragon and published by Possum Creek Games. If you wish to check out the game, there will be a link to where you can find it in the episode description. And, as always, we have a guest on the show, I'm very excited to play this game with you. Uh, why don't you go ahead and say hello and introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jeremy Cobb. Uh, I use uh, he, him pronouns. Uh, I uh, I know Daisy because uh, I'm on the show uh, Three Black Halflings, a show which I guess Daisy is a fan and patron of. Thank you very much, Daisy. <laughs> And and we played Wander Home once before together. Yes, indeed. Uh, and without fanning too much, I will say I am a very big fan. Uh, and listeners, if you haven't checked out Three Black Halflings, you should. Uh, I think we've already had a few guests on here that have repped it as well. Um, I definitely found some of my guests from that Discord. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think the first two guests I found from that Discord. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it's a whole family. It's, <laughs> it's going to be like the left foot forward three black halflings family. Indeed, um, but also listening to your show was a big inspiration for me to actually get out there and start up podcasting again. So, Aww, uh, thank I'm you for that. that too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm glad that we were able to serve as some inspiration. Uh, I got to tell you, you have a great voice for podcasting. It's so I appreciate steep. that. <laughs> it's so warm and soothing. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 makes me smile because I also don't know if I enjoy my own voice yet or not. I definitely know through editing, I kind of don't remember what my voice actually sounds like. <laughs> it's like it's like listening to a hot water bottle. <laughs> oh, hopefully in the winter. <laughs> yes, in the winter specifically, in a time when it would actually be useful, not 
<laughs> like <laughs> it's it's 90 degrees outside and somebody's yeah. pressing shoving a hot water bottle into your arms uh, here you go <laughs> yeah take it just take it please uh, well, that's good. Hopefully my voice can sound like a hot water bottle in the winter to you all. Um, but once again, thank you so much for, for taking your time, Jeremy, to join me. I'll give a brief overview of what we are about to do, and then we can roll right into it. All right. Essentially, we're going to play some Wander Home, but first we'll have to build some characters. I'm super excited to hear um, about the character that you're going to build with us today. And as you build that, I will also, um, gosh, what do I, what do I, what have I said before? I'll, I'll tell you my character choices alongside that to kind of frame it. Most of the listeners will probably have heard my own character choice a few times by now, but it's good to refresh. <laughs> I also I love, love my character, and I love talking about her. So. I'm I'm happy for this. This is cool. I love that you just keep building the exact same character every time. <laughs> it changes slightly. Uh, oh, okay. so little things from here to there. Uh, she gets like we, a slightly different item every time. Well, without any too much spoilers, in the past like two episodes or few episodes, I've gotten a sweater that I'm supposed to deliver to a god. I've oh. then sewn or knitted another small god into that sweater so it could travel with me and then gotten that sweater embroidered by like amber from an ancient forest god (laughs) whoa is so kind of changes is it like a baby bjorn for this other god that you sewed in i haven't depicted it yet so i'm not sure but it was a god of yarn that got that knitted in and it, it it wanted to travel around so i'm like I've got this sweater. It's supposed to go somewhere. I found it in a drowned water tower, so <laughs> but we'll That's see. Awesome. So it's in there. Maybe it's got a little yeah. face on the pocket. <laughs> I think, well, I, it's got to be able to talk. Like, there's got to oh, be some, course. like, a, yeah, like a little pocket or something that can talk, even if it doesn't have a face. Uh, <laughs> the pocket yeah. just opens and closes to talk. Exactly. Exactly. And like the handkerchief inside is the tongue. <laughs> I put little pieces of chocolate in there for it to eat. Yeah, I tried yeah, to store like, it once, but it disappeared. When you put stuff into your pockets, you're actually not sure if they're going to stay <laughs> there because the god might take them. Oh, I, lo- I love that image now. It may- might not have been there before, but it's there now. And that's yeah, the power say, of this game. Like when you put it in there, you can hear it from the inside. As the god starts chowing down. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, well, we're already creating wonderful things already. Uh, but as we, uh, before we get into your character, I should say, actually, I'll start us off with some interview questions as I expertly put on my interview tie and maybe we'll pass back and forth between the two. Mm, what, what color and, is the interview tie so that I can? Um, let me look at my closet. Ooh, you know what? It's my bow tie that has uh, the periodic table of the elements on it. On a single bow tie, you have the on entire... On a single bow tie. Whoa. That's either it's a very powerful tie or a very small table. <laughs> I think they might have shrunken it down a little bit, but, you yeah. know, that's the, the tiniest tie. font. Little, <laughs> a grid. The squares are so small. It's like a grid. Classy enough. Uh, but since we are here to play tabletop role-playing games, my first question 
is actually about the experience that you have had with TTRPGs. You can tell us your origin story if you want, uh, but pretty much how long have you been playing? How many have you played? Do you have a favorite game that you want to share with us? Mm. Uh, I, I've been playing TTRPGs since 2012. I think it was 2012. It, yes, I'm pretty sure it was 2012. The first one that I ever played was a game that my friend made called Paradox Perfect, which is a time-traveling RPG, or TTRPG, uh, in which you are supposed to go back in time and make sure that certain things happen. Because there's the, the, the game has evolved, but the initial premise was that uh, there was an organization, you were part of a government agency in the far future, and there was an organization called Paradox Perfect who'd go back in time and change things to try and make them better. Uh, and you would have to, as part of, you, or at least your mission was to, you wouldn't have to, but your mission was to go back and make sure things happened the way they originally happened. So the first time I played, Paradox Perfect had prevented the assassination of John F. Kennedy, thinking that this would produce a perfect future. And so our mission was to go back in time and make sure John F. Kennedy died. <laughs> and it is it is absolute lunacy. Uh, it's a blast. We're actually planning to play it on Three Black Halflings oh. here in the next couple of months. So I've actually been working with uh, the creator on a, an upcoming adventure. So that'll be fun. Uh, but that one, I've played that one. The only three I've really played, because after I initially played Paradox Perfect, I think I played it twice, and then I didn't play any more TTRPGs until I think it was October 29th of 2018, when my friend, uh, who has been mentioned many a time on Three Black Halflings, Ryan, roped me into playing Dungeons & Dragons, which, as it turns out, was not actually Dungeons & Dragons. We used D&D Beyond to create our characters, but then the guy who actually DM'd for us ran us through a, a, a Pathfinder adventure. Oh. So technically, I the second TTRPG I ever played was Pathfinder. Uh, I've since played Pathfinder again, another time recently for Jasper's Game Day, and I really like that game. Uh, but the main TTRPG that I have played has been Dungeons and & Dragons, and it's probably my favorite. Although, I'll be honest, I'm not super picky so far in terms of mechanics. Oh, I guess the other the other one that I have played is Wanderhome. I forgot <laughs> about that. That's I've played Wanderhome once, and that was also fun. Uh, I would say I like them all in various ways. I would say they're all fun games and they're all really cool. D and D happens to be my favorite, but I like them all. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. There's there's not much else to say. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a habit of I have I have a very difficult time figuring out a, a way to answer questions that will also leave room for the other person to respond. So <laughs> I mean, hey, it's it's perfectly fine. You 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 delivered. You got that question, and honestly, that that sounds super cool and kind of different than what I've normally heard people's uh, experiences playing. Like the first game you ever played was like some like your friend's game that they built. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah, and that I, game I, sounds super interesting too. It's really fun. It's it's the the whole goal is to just be as ridiculous and silly as possible and just have a great time 
uh, and it's a very, very fun game. I recently played a game in which we, another game of it, uh, in which we went back to the 1920s. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, the 1920s were now full of dinosaurs. And so there were all these like dinosaurs running around wearing like fedoras and, and suits and stuff. Uh, and I think we blew up an air, a blimp at one point that had a T-Rex on it. I don't know. It was an absolutely wild time. We played for like seven hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it was really fun. That's super cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm always interested in like time travel stuff, but I, ne- I can never wrap my head around how it would actually like work in a game. So I'd be super interested to hear, to hear that being played out. Yes, I'll, I'll be honest, it, it's not, the time travel mechanics are not, the, uh, uh, it's, it's, I would say it's, uh, it's kind of like a Back to the Future sort of timeline or a Butterfly Effect sort of timeline, so that it, as opposed to like a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure timeline <laughs> or a Harry Potter sort of timeline where if you go back into the past, all you're doing is making things the way they were, whereas in Back to the Future and, and, um, can't even remember what the other one I referenced was. Oh, uh, butterfly effect. Um, you, if you go back into in, the past, you can change something and radically alter the future. Right. So it's so, more of just like a, a setting, a setting frame. Yes, although there is a mechanic whereby, like, as you change things, it's almost it almost introduces, I think, a ticking clock element because the longer you go without having. Uh, like cho- uh, without having i guess succeeded in whatever you're trying to do the more things start to change uncontrollably Ooh. yeah so there was a point at which uh, in in i think the most recent one my character started turning into an insect oh gosh uh yeah it was it was a very weird i think i played i think i played a a robot named chubby cheese whiz <laughs> i was i think i was manufactured in neo detroit or something like that uh and i had i had a partner but neither of us the the, one of the questions is like what are your and your partner's pronouns but neither one of us had ever actually thought about it so not we just didn't have pronouns so we only ever referred to each other by our names uh it was a very strange process and everybody else kept being like, I forget what my partner's name was, but everybody kept referring to my partner by a pronoun. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, uh, my partner only is called my partner. <laughs> there are that's no good. Pronouns. You got it. You got to correct it early. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how we ended up there, but anyway, it was a very fun game. Yeah. That sounds super cool. Um, well, leading into my next question, then maybe we can knock it out real quick in relation but what is the favorite no let me let me rephrase it what is your favorite thing that ttrpgs let you do like you've you've played a few um you've had a long history of some of them but what keeps you coming back Uh, i would say ttrpgs as a dm it allows me to tell stories I'm obviously not the only person telling a story when I'm the DM, but it basically allows me a collaborative storytelling outlet into which I can pump large amounts of creativity and 
have more creative freedom there than I might in other mediums. Uh, I'm, I'm an actor, and if I were trying to write, say, a script for a play, there are certain things that you can do in Dungeons & Dragons, for example, with a story that might not fit so well in a play. Uh, such as anything involving goblins or like, you know, monsters or anything like that. It's like, well, I don't know how well this is going to work out on stage uh, and, you know, stuff like that. But that's that's my favorite thing as a DM. And then as a player, my favorite thing is I think the amount of freedom that TTRPGs often allow to just make it's, it ties into storytelling as well to like actually choose and develop a character and make the story of that character. Um, and so an example of that would be uh, Jasper from Three Black Halflings DMs a game in which I play a black halfling named uh, Dennis Colespring, the Ghostwise Killer. And there has been a an ongoing subplot in which my character has gradually become a... A, an extremely wealthy businessman uh, slash landowner. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I think it started with clothes. I think I, I got into cl- like branding and selling clothes, but I've since expanded into public works. <laughs> I, I have an army of street urchins that I have basically employed. I've been like, look, all of you guys are living on the streets. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you all in give you all a place to sleep, pay you better than you would normally get paid anywhere else. And then also train you in the monk arts. Uh, and in exchange, you're going to like, now I, I didn't force them to do this. It was like, if you want to, uh, but in exchange, like all I ask is that like you work and staff my hotel and various other properties. Uh, and I, we've also started a public works campaign, a, a covert one where I'm basically sending groups of street urchins into into neighboring cities to try and improve the, the cities oh. from the ground up uh, and spread my influence. My character has, it's unclear right now whether I'm turning into Bruce Wayne or Lex Luthor. Uh, but That's the best blurred line, I guess. <laughs> but it's, I'm just having an absolute blast. And I don't know of any other game that would let me do, do that <laughs> when there's also like a gigantic war going on and all this other like huge high fantasy stuff. <laughs> just like, but I really want to start a line of luxury suits. I would like oh to invent God. the business suit, please. And start that. marketing it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that's so much fun. I always I always love games where you can get to do just wild stuff like that, even if it's just like a side quest or something. But I don't know. I mean, I guess not all DMs are that benevolent, but I, I've yeah. always loved to do things like that. I think yeah, in like thank one you, of Jasper. my first games, I one of my friends walked up to some random armory in some town that was destroyed and was like, "Hey, can I give you money?" and he funded the armory so they kept showing up because they kept getting bigger because he kept giving them money eventually he's like you know what you're you're a loyal customer here's some magic items (laughs) that's awesome you guys start getting discounts like your whole party is getting discounts and free like you all get a free dagger (laughs) yeah exactly i think i named it clyde's armory and everybody was a clyde who worked there (laughs) my friend's title is honorary clyde (laughs) 
<laughs> so it, it in order for a person to get a job there, the primary requisite is that their name is Clyde. Yes, or changed to or referred to as Clyde. I believe. Uh, so they're, they they need to be willing to be called Clyde. <laughs> it must be one with the Clyde to join the army. Yes, uh, connect with the Clyde within yourself. The Clyde clan. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think uh, if you have a DM who's willing to be uh, generous and benevolent and will let you go off and do all sorts of fun stuff uh, that has nothing to do with the story they came up with, uh, then you know you've got at least an accommodating DM. And in Jasper's case, an accommodating and good DM. <laughs> and sometimes the side quest becomes the story and I wouldn't be mad. Yes! Sometimes those are the best, those are the best things. Like, oh man, I've been in, I've definitely been in some campaigns where, or I DM'd some campaigns, certainly, where someone's side thing that they're into starts to grow and becomes like a major part of the campaign. Uh, That's, and that's part of the, I think that's when, for me, the story gets the most fun is when you, or at least when I, as the DM, don't have complete control over it, and yeah. it's and the players take a lot of agency, but all of us are just working together to see what happens. And I'm not just having to create a bunch of stuff; I'm mostly now reacting to them. Yep they they start doing the world building for you, and you just rake in the the glory. <laughs> exactly and then you play something like wander home which is all world building Indeed. so everybody is simultaneously a world builder and a player and i think that's one of the coolest things because it's it's not one person trying to juggle everything but everybody being literally being like hey i think this is cool okay let's let's explore it yeah, like when we played it, the story went in some directions that I truly never expected. I can't remember who sounded like Kermit the Frog, but <laughs> it was, in fact, wasn't Kermit the Frog a character at some I point? Think, I believe um, the first NPC we met, I tried to do a voice for it and it just devolved into Kermit. And then I think you named them something. I think it was Kermit Br- Backwards. Oh yeah! None of us uh, recognized Timrick. what it was Timrick. until after we played. Yes, I think I wrote out the name Timrek in the chat yeah. at some point, and we were just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> of course, <laughs> I forgot about that. Good old Timrek. Oh my god! Yeah, that. Oh my gosh! I mean, I, I wouldn't say I've played that many more games of Wander Home since then. Because that was only like December, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's literally been my obsession since <laughs> it's it, everything written in the book is just so like purposeful, all kind of like trying to connect back. I even saw on Twitter, like, I guess it was maybe a month ago, the designer was talking about even the inspiration for the art. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Oh gosh, I I forget the artist's name, but they were dropping like teaser tweets that was like we're going to talk about Wanderholm's inspiration from some Dutch peasant or something Whoa. like 300 years ago. And then they they did and then Jay did this long like tw- uh Twitter thread, I guess, about about the artist and how it's all about like decentralizing individual people and I don't know. Oh, the art in this book is amazing too. 
and is emphasize like de-emphasizing individuals and emphasizing the community. Yeah, kind of like that, and just also nature in general. Yeah, so like noticing just within like the art of the book, it's there's no like one person in the center, or even from like big spans of views, everybody's kind of like the same size of importance. Mm-hmm. It, it's like your adventurers and your your adventuring party, I guess, is important, but you're just people in the world too. Yeah. It, it does, a, I think, an outstanding job of capturing the pastoral feeling uh, of being a person in this, like, just a person existing in a much larger ecosystem that you are exploring and experiencing with a group of other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And which is really interesting because didn't they say that Redwall was one of the primary inspirations? I believe i'm i'm not sure if it was a direct inspiration or just maybe it was but i remember there being a review um from another game designer i believe avery alder um said that it was like reading those first few pages of redwall where they do this Mm. broad description of things but then you don't turn the page and you don't get into the violence (laughs) Yeah, you never actually get to the big epic story because most of Redwall is actually closer to something like D&D or Pathfinder. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's all about heroes and prophecies and overcoming adversity and war and the triumph of, you know, the little good people in the world over the big cruel people and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it's interesting because Wanderhome has that same sweep, has that same epic sweep, but without the the Lord of the Rings influence, essentially, yeah. or like high, or, or not even just Lord of the Rings, but like um, myth, like Greek myth influence or Norse myth, where you have these epic heroes as well. It almost feels like the after the after the story story kind of. Yeah, like in in, in the book, the war's done. But here's what's left, and it's still beautiful. Yeah, exactly. The world is just going on after these people have had their adventures. And that's even built into some of the... the, Are they... What are they called? Archetypes? The different Uh, characters... Yeah, the playbooks. Yeah, the different playbooks. uh, The the different kinds of characters that you can pick. Uh, Because one of them is a veteran. So, and one of them's like an exile, like there's a, it's built into the game that there's been some stuff that's happened before the game. Indeed. Yeah. Well, now that we have kind of come full circle back to Wanderhome, uh, let's talk actually more about it and talking about playbooks themselves. Uh, I believe you said you had one picked out already. Yeah. Would you like to introduce your character to the class? All right. Well, uh, I have not yet picked a name for this person, so we're going to have to do that. But I was drawn. Uh, Last time I played the shepherd, uh, but this time I decided to switch things up and I was drawn to the pilgrim. Ooh, okay. Uh, Should I go ahead and read the description here? Yeah, go ahead and read that like tagline description so we can hear what we're playing. Uh, The gods have given you a path forward, a place you hope can finally give you what you seek. Some days you worry you'll never make it there at all. You are alive. Your care is enduring, faithful, and expressed one step at a time. 
Uh, it says to choose a name and some pronouns. I haven't picked a name yet. I usually do that last. But my pronouns are he, him. Uh, it asks to choose an animal. And this is where I'm sort of... Uh, I think this character is a little bit unusual. Uh, I think I may be pushing some of the... Or, or uh, stretching some of the suggestions here. Because I didn't pick anything on here. Nor did I pick a devoted or ceaseless animal. Because it suggests ibis, newt, f- uh, ferret, bison. Uh, I went with a lemming. Ooh, Okay. Yes, uh, I am a lemming, and I, in real life, uh, lemmings live underneath the snow. They live, it's similar to prairie dogs. They live in these colonies uh, of, of, like, these large family groups, uh, They with, and it's like networks of tunnels underneath the snow. And those are the times when they thrive. And in, in fact, actually, if you look at lemming populations, uh, the, the way that they, the, the tracking of lemming populations, in years that have less snowfall, the population plummets because that's where they thrive. And my backstory is that I lost my people long ago in a great thaw that precipitated a flood. Um, and I now wander the land in search of a snow deep enough that I can once again settle with a community of lemmings and live in peace. Interesting. I like that. Uh, a complete random aside, and I think you, this is actually the second lemming character I've had on the show, which is super cool. Whoa! Exciting! Because I don't think lemming is, a, is an actual choice on any of these prompts. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it is. I haven't looked at every prompt, but it wasn't the last time I checked. Um, and in relation to that, I always ask my, I always ask my guests what they imagine their characters' like relative size is, because in Wanderhome, character sizes are incredibly ranging. I play a six foot tall rabbit. Um, oh man but the last lemming was actually like lemming sized so they were like really small compared but i i was gonna go with lemming size as well that's awesome (laughs) i'm just a little lemming Uh, i I love that too um and that just goes to show the whole the whole thing we were talking about before with the art too no matter the size everybody's still got the same importance yeah, exactly. I'm a real fluffy. I'm a real fluffy boy. Although I think I look a little bit less lustrous than I used to with what with all the wandering. Uh, mm. But I definitely have those those uh, black and yellow markings that uh, lemmings have. The characteristic lemming th- markings. Um, I actually, uh, should I, should I go into the, cause the next thing it says, choose two you try to be and two you've given up on. Yeah. Go for it. Tell us, tell us what you got. Okay. So, uh, the two I try to be are stoic, uh, and masculine. I think the, I think those are both because I try to be, I, I'm, I, I think I lived basically exclusively among lemmings mm-hmm. and, I am in a world that is utterly unfamiliar to me. Uh, like I've I've never seen or experienced anything like this. There's no snow to be had in most places that I go, or if there is snow, it's not nearly deep enough for me. Um, and I I, don't, I haven't seen another lemming since. But now I'm seeing all of these huge people 
of varying sizes and, and completely different backgrounds. Like there are people here herding bumblebees. I've never seen a bumblebee. They all would freeze where I'm from. So like this entire world, it's, it's, I think it's all motivated by fear. So I'm trying to be stoic so as to appear more in control and same thing with masculine so that I, I appear uh, less vulnerable as a tiny little person in this gigantic world. Okay. Uh, Do you see those um, surfacing in any particular way in your character, whether through like body language or, or, or chosen words that you, you say? Uh, I think I've got kind of a classic Clint Eastwood man with no name vibe. So like a lot of squinting, a lot of sort of deep voice talking. It's unclear whether my actual voice is all that deep or whether I've just adopted a deep voice. Um, I, I think I probably don't, I probably don't laugh a lot, at least not loudly. It's not, you don't get a whole lot of, ha, ha, ha. it's more, if anything, like, <laughs> and I think, um, only speaking when necessary. Okay. Uh, and then also I've given up on being wise or reflective, Wise, because all of the wisdom that I had learned as a lemming does not serve me in this new world. And reflective, because the more I think about my circumstances, the sadder and more hopeless I feel. So I've just sort of stopped thinking about that. And I'm sort of just taking things as they come. Mm. Only moving forward, I guess. Exactly. Uh, hoping that one day I will find that magical place of snow. Um... Then it asks for me to pick three to four things to describe my look. And I went with the sturdy walking stick, a weather-beaten hood. I think the walking stick is just, uh, it's partially to help me navigate the terrain that I'm unused to, but also potentially for defense mm -hmm. in case anybody gets any ideas. Um, I am a little lemming after all, could make a very tasty snack uh, should someone be so inclined. And uh, the weather-beaten hood to protect me from the elements. I'm prepared for snow and not much else. Uh, so wind, rain, all that stuff. I'm like, ooh. And and but and I'm not even prepared. I'm not prepared for like surface of snow that much. I'm underneath the snow, which protects me from the elements. So all this stuff is it's a lot to be exposed to. The sky? What? Yeah. Why is it so blue? <laughs> ah! uh, uh, and the next thing is practical walking boots for much the same reason. Uh, I think part of it is just if you're in the snow, it's good to have a nice pair of boots. Uh, but also it's like I'm walking on rocks and I'm, you know, through mud, through sand and whatever else. So and tying in with that frayed gloves. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think I've been traveling for this is not like a week. This could have been this is probably years that mm. I've been going. And so these gloves, I imagine they're, they they may have started as as full, like, fingered gloves, but I think at this point they're fingerless gloves. Uh, <laughs> and the, 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 even the areas, the rims around the fingers, the little bit of finger fabric that's left is fraying heavily. They're, the knuckles are fraying. I think there's probably a hole or two in the palms, and it's certainly worn down from where I'm gripping the walking stick and grabbing onto stuff to climb. For sure. So yeah. yeah, that's my that's my look is a little yellow and black lemming in a hood with a walking oh. stick and boots. 
It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Refusing to squeak. I refuse to squeak. <laughs> it's far too cute. I can't allow it. Um, I'm sorry. So, so manly. <laughs> I'm the manliest, adorable little fluff ball you've ever seen in your life. Oh, I love that. Um, speaking of, since you said that you imagine uh, being having traveled for, for potentially multiple years, do you think that you have... Because you're searching for, like, a new snowy area to really get in. Do mm-hmm. you feel like you've found potential snowy areas, considering some seasons might have changed where you were and they just weren't right? Or or have you just not found anywhere yet? Yeah, I think that I've found a couple of places that get snowy and maybe even tried to settle there. But but first the snow wasn't really deep enough and then it melted and went away. And then that's, that's when I realized most places have way more seasons than I did than my original home did. And so I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. And maybe there were also like different people there who maybe there were people like, Oh no, no, you can't settle here. This is our land. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. And I have to move on. Um, I think though, I've also encountered some places I imagine that I've probably gone to a tropical place once or once or twice where they don't really have a winter as such, but instead they have like a rainy season. Right. And so that was probably terrifying because (laughs) I lost all my people in a flood that, you know, swept them off the cliff instead Mm -hmm. of the lemmings running over the cliff. I think they were like swept off the cliff and I survived by clinging to this jagged rock that I was just holding on to, you know, shivering as everything uh, washed by. Um, and so I think that I haven't yet found a place that where the snow is deep and permanent enough for me to settle, but I think I've heard rumors of far off places of perpetual snow and ice. Wonderful. Well, perhaps we'll get to find some of those today. Mm. Yes. Uh, the next thing is that it says a God or omen instructed me to pack my bags and travel somewhere very far from the land I called home. Uh, choose two rumors or stories I've heard about this place and one that is actually true. And this is where I think I really start to stretch uh, the things because I none of these suggestions are appropriate for my are exactly appropriate for my specific backstory. Um, so I'm thinking that the first one, you seek a land of great bounty. Uh, the original description is you seek a land of great bounty where the tree, where the trees offer endless fruit, fish leap from the rivers, and no one ever has to work. It is a carnival or a garden. In this case, I think I, I seek a land of endless snow uh, that never melts. It always provides cover. If anything, it only just gets deeper, and it's the softest, powderiest, most uh, pleasant snow you could possibly feel. It's like living inside of a pillow, uh, a nice chilly pillow, and that there are lemmings uh, all over the place that thrive, live in peace, don't have to worry about any predators from above, uh, that, you know, when we have our own festivals and way of life, and perhaps this place might even be the original lemming home where most of the lemming traditions originated. Uh, and maybe I'm doing a reverse of the journey that my ancestors took a long time ago. I'm going back to where, uh, we come from. Um, then there's, uh, the next one I think that I was going to say is, uh, you seek where the countless small and forgotten gods are loudest and clearest. Uh, it is a hallow or a graveyard. 
Um, and I will explain more about that one uh, later. Um, and then I think the last one that I would say is you seek a place at the very edge of the world and nothing lies beyond it. It is a desert or a mirror. In this case, I think the mirror is the reflectiveness of the snow and ice. And the idea is that at the edge of this massive, imagine like a glacier, like we live on top of a glacier, that instead of there being a sea, it's just the edge of the world mm-hmm. off of this glacier. Or even more even more interesting, perhaps, a wall of ice. Maybe there's two different rumors about what this might be, where instead of there being a drop-off, you can't fall off a cliff. Instead, what you see is uh, a wall of reflective ice of uh, immeasurable height. Ooh. Is perhaps the rumor that the actual great bounty is on the other side of that wall of ice, and that's why it's the edge? Or Ooh. is that too... Too meta. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I, I think it could even be that um, th- that's where like lemmings came here. But we're going to I'm just going to build in that we originally originally hail from another land where uh, a land of great bounty um, and perhaps in that other place, we had no need to live in the snow because we had no no foes no predators but i think that lemmings uh like at some point we got maybe we lost our way or were tricked uh and led astray or we were cast out and ended up on the other side of that land of bounty and were forced to hide in the snow in order to survive in this new harsh world and so we thrived in the snow and and that became our new home but there's we wish to live as close to that previous world as possible okay yeah that's super cool and of those three things um, two of them are supposed to be rumors or stories and one is actually true Mm -hmm. do you have an idea of what that is or are they all just kind of like in a amalgus rumor floating around trying to bump into something um i have an idea um which is that the only one that is fully true is the that uh, that there is a place where countless small and forgotten gods are the loudest and clearest the hallow uh if the other two places exist at all uh, it's not in the exact way that's described. Maybe more metaphorical or stretched in some way. Right. Well, you know, y- these ancient writings, they're, they were written in a different time. You kind of got to come at them from a metaphorical standpoint. I'm really not a, a lemming history, a lemming theology literalist. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got to, you know, roll back from this fundamentalist lemming uh, theology. <laughs> You know, I've heard stories about a mirror, but, you know, there can't be glass there. (laughs) It couldn't really. I mean, look, glass is, glass doesn't naturally occur in in sections that large. Uh, And even if it was ice, where's all this ice coming from? That doesn't make sense. It stretches up into the sky endlessly. No, no. (laughs) There are birds. The birds could fly over it. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise there'd just be birds all at the bottom from when they hit it. 
We haven't heard stories about that. So just a pile of birds. <laughs> and if the sun hit it, we'd probably be blinded by all of the reflection. So it makes no scientific sense whatsoever. Perhaps we'll see what that actual metaphor is then. Mm. That is interesting. Uh, let me see. Oh, yes, I have to pick a sign of my faith. I haven't done this yet. Um, tell the table why I believe it'll never lead me astray. So I'll, I'll read through the options. Uh, an ancient iron necklace forged by an ancestor, anchoring you to your village and its gods. A deck of oracular cards, which has plenty of opinions on what's next in store. A brass compass gifted by the mysterious stranger with one white eye who set you forth on this quest. A single word whispered in your ear by a luminescent elk before she fled into the night and the only tool you have to find your way. A beautiful pink orchid, a sign of the rebellion that always blooms. A book of poetry with passages so powerful that their very existence is a miracle. The ceremonial language of your distant home, every word a spoken prayer for your culture's survival. Ooh. Um... I think I would lean toward the ceremonial language of your distant home, uh, a language which I have not spoken in quite some time because it is exclusively squeaks. Uh, but they're very sacred squeaks. Yeah. In fact, I think that's what we would call them is the sacred squeaks. I like that. Is it, how does that uh, manifest in, in your carrying with you? Is it is it strictly a like thing that you hold like in your mind and in your heart or is it something that you like repeat to to like i guess hold on to it i think when i'm alone i repeat it at night before i go to bed i think i have dreams uh in which i remember my family and friends and they all use it uh i think that whenever even as i'm uh, traveling the land alone, I squeak quietly to myself uh, prayers for the future just to try and hold fast to my goal because it's been an extremely long and discouraging journey. Yeah. So do you see um, do you see your character as the only one left who who knows this language? Or are you trying, or I guess, are you trying to, to bring it to other people or? I'm trying to get to the people who speak it because I'm okay. sure they're out there somewhere, but I just haven't seen any lemmings in all the years that I've been traveling. And so I haven't been able to speak the language to anyone else. And when I'm tra whenever I've had companions, I think I have avoided speaking it. Mm -hmm. So this will I'm be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm waiting until I can get to some place where I feel comfortable to speak it again. It'll definitely be interesting because I have also met a lemming before, <laughs> canonically in the story. Yes, this'll be, this'll be, we'll have to do a part two in which the two <laughs> lemmings meet. Oh, man. <laughs> bring, bring the other lemming to wherever you end up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the last thing to choose in the playbook so far i'm loving everything that you have chosen i've gotten i've got some clear ideas in my head hopefully we can dig into some of this good stuff as well 
Um, but the last thing is to ask one thing to the right and one to the left, the sort of connections between our characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do that, uh, I'll remember, I'll try to remember not to forget because I have forgotten previously before. But before we do that, um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of insight into my character, the choices that I picked. And we can talk a little bit about more, more about maybe how we met, where we want to go with the journey. Mm-hmm. Because I, I see this session, uh, most of them I've had where we don't necessarily have to introduce each other right away, or, or we don't have to have the, the first thing our characters say to each other be us meeting, because uh, after multiple times of that, it could get a little dry. <laughs> so absolutely, uh, I, I picture a lot of these sessions more as like a snapshot in our journey. Uh, it could be near the beginning, if you wish. It could be more near the end. We could even find this place you are going to. Um, of course, all of that is how we feel as we play. Mm. But we will have some things that we that have connected our characters together through these questions. But before that happens, I I have to give you some information on my character. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) My character is Mina Leftfoot. She is a moth tender who is essentially a post person in the land of Haith. So travel around delivering letters and packages. And she is an Angora rabbit who is six feet tall. So she is a very large, very fluffy bunny. (laughs) I'm looking up a picture of an Angora rabbit right now, and my goodness. Amazing. (laughs) This is like, this is a sheep. (laughs) So imagine that, six feet tall. Uh, How wide? More than six feet wide, I imagine, at least based on just the fur. How maybe maybe I think she likes to like pat it down a bit. Um, she has like pants and and clothes and in a scarf to kind of like pack it in. But oh, girl, you gotta you gotta let that fly. You gotta let that. You gotta embrace the natural look. I need to get I need to get her a pick so that she can pick out she can pick out her fur. Just be a full on nineteen seventies bunny. <laughs> maybe we'll have to find that out um, she does shake off whenever uh it rains and, and ends up being very poofy mm, yeah i would yeah 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 that kind of weather must just absolutely play havoc oh and the amount of the amount of static electricity she would build up <laughs> oh my gosh i think we actually had a scene in the last session where there was a bunch of static electricity in a place and we knew because my hair was just oh no <laughs> that's awesome. manages it a little bit though uh so she's she's six feet tall humanoid stands on her two legs she has broad shoulders and wears a newsy cap between her slicked back ears And there's an occasional tuft of fur that pokes out the front that's dyed purple. Um, Mm. And she has an orange scarf that she wears and adorns it with little pins that she's collected in her journeys. I like that. What what color is she normally? Uh, Like her fur? Yeah. I think think she just has normal like Angora fluffy white fur. Oh, okay. um, 
yeah the, that little tuft at the front is dyed purple um yeah but everything else is white self-prescription okay. onto my character <laughs> i'm here for it that's cool uh the two things that she is as a moth tender are curious and trusting and the two things that she is not but her job asks her to be are proper and blunt uh, <laughs> So she's a very large, uh, anxious rabbit who doesn't get to the point very often, but (laughs) she is trusting and curious in many things in the world, so likes to meet a lot of people. Oh, that sounds nice. Her look, she carries a lunar calendar, uh, a pair of small reading glasses, a map of the local moth towers, and uh, the sense that I'm in over my head. Oh, no. Because the reason she is out adventuring is because she was sent on a journey from the Moth Towers to kind of visit multiple different ones, deliver letters, and kind of discover where she wants to be. Mm. So she doesn't know what's really happening. She's just going into it and, and discovering as things happen. Could you repeat her name again so I can write it down? Of course, Mina Leftfoot, uh, M-E-E-N-A, and then Leftfoot, one word. All right, Mina Leftfoot. And that's uh, that's definitely where the, the title of the series comes from, Leftfoot. Yeah. Oh, okay. So basically, you've, you've locked yourself in so that you really can't play another character unless yeah. they're also, they're also rema- uh, related to Mina. <laughs> Who knows? I have some ideas tossing around in my head for maybe like like promotional stuff where um, Mina has a best friend that she had to leave back in their hometown. Um, so potentially I could do like a promotional episode where I'm playing that character going out on my own journey because I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but who knows? Um uh... As a moth tender, I get to carry packages with me. Uh, I've only delivered one of them so far, so I'm sort of only it's making them be like, if I ever decide to deliver them, that's the episode I'll receive them. Um, oh, nice. Because that keeps me from being like, it's been a year and a half. Where's my letter? <laughs> so the idea is that you have you either have no packages or that you've been delivering packages all along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I've had other letters that have been less important. But if we ever want to dive into these letters, that's when I receive them. And then we can dive into that story because they kind of fit more as like story prompts. Mm. Because my letters are a summons from the king of the floating mountain for a cheerful old farmer with a big family. A basket of homemade candies, a basket of homemade candies for a cheerful young rabbit that just moved to the big city. And um, the last one is that sweater I was telling you about before, um, one that I found in a sunken moth tower on an island that was beneath the water, but we drained it, I guess. Um, it's a hand-knit sweater <laughs> you just for your the venerable god of the ancient forest. I have no idea who this is. I have no idea where it is. I've been adding to the sweater as I go. Uh, 
but I found it in a sunken tower and it just said deliver to the ancient forest. And I said, I'm a moth tender. I got to, I guess. <laughs> so did your, did your moth accompany you beneath the water? No. So I, I actually haven't been playing it where I have a moth with me at all times. Oh. I, I did actually recently have an episode or I guess one of, it was a while ago, but where the other person was a moth tender who actually like, uh, I guess grew is a weird word, but like tended to moths and, and raised the moths Yeah, like farm as a way to like transfer spirits, which was pretty cool. Um, So they had a lot of moths with them, but I mostly go to a tower, see a moth, hand it a letter and it takes it somewhere else. I actually really like the idea. Are these moths like random moths that you're meeting and you just have an uh, an incredible affinity with them? Or are they like messenger moths that are just hanging out waiting for a moth tender to arrive? That is interesting. I had never thought of it really in depth. I had always kind of based assumed that it was just like messenger moths at a tower. But now that you mention it, I have been kind of leaving these plants everywhere that we use to like have the, like an, a homing beacon for the moths. So mm-hmm. potentially it's also a way to recruit new moths that I meet. Yeah. I like the idea that moth tenders, at least some moth tenders actually work with wild moths, but the, you, they all leave these plants in place as markers to help guide the moths. Mm-hmm. And it's just that they have such a, an incredible way with the moths that when they encounter them, they're immediate they have an immediate rapport and the moths are able to use without actual formal training the moths are actually able to use these plants as like a network of guideposts yeah that, uh, to to deliver letters that that works out really well because we also have previously established that as a moth tender uh, I need to be fluent in multiple languages so I think part of that is being fluent in how to speak with moths yeah that's cool i like that Ooh, so you're a moth whisperer as well as as (laughs) as well as a moth tender that is true you might be right i I whisper to the moths and tell them where to go (laughs) and they whisper to you they tell me the secrets (laughs) of the world you're gandalf when he (laughs) catches the moth and is and then it like flies away and gets an eagle (laughs) just instead of eagles i just get brought larger moths yeah exactly there's just more moths that show up (laughs) i heard you had a very large package (laughs) it's it's still the size of a moth is just a big moth (laughs) still not big enough to carry a sweater (laughs) They can all swarm together and make a lot. Yeah, there's 50,000 moths to send on your location. (laughs) (laughs) By the time the sweater arrives, it is a couple of uh, scraps because the moths have just eaten through it. Oh, gosh. You know, that's probably why I am delivering the letter or the sweater. Yeah, that's true because you can't entrust that to a moth. All the finer (laughs) threads are entrusted to me. Do you carry any moth balls? Hmm. In case, in case you run into like a really feral moth, because I'm sure that there are some moths. I, I, I imagine most moths are pretty docile, but maybe some moths catch moon madness, and every once in a while, or maybe it's like how like male elephants will have must 
and stuff like that, where they just have a period where they're really aggressive. Maybe and like um, during the mating season, hares will fight each other, like male hares. Maybe there's like a period where moths get like moon madness and start uh, becoming way more aggressive, and you have to bring additional things to help you control the moths during that those times. That's interesting because it could happen in a very specific way because there's four moons in this world, so maybe yeah. it's like a certain configuration of the moon yeah like when they all align yeah and you know i i think maybe i do carry something like mothballs but not in like the traditional mothball like way i think maybe they're more like pokeballs <laughs> oh man That's great. <laughs> something to like bring them in and then like help calm them down yeah you lure them in so it's whoa that's cool and maybe there's even like some slight uh well there's like pheromones that kind of help sedate them a bit so mm-hmm. they're just like, oh okay 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 maybe some of that like plant in there that that helps them maybe feel like home yeah so okay here's a question then the 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 four moons are they of varying sizes i am not sure can we establish that the one that doesn't move, the one that's gravity locked or the one that's uh, tide locked is the smallest? And then b- the moth madness occurs when not just when the four moons align, because I imagine that happens a couple times a year, but when they align specifically in order from smallest to largest, forming a super moon. Mm. The image of yeah. a super moon, because it's like it's it's like it's it's like looking up at it's it's the it would be similar to looking at uh, someone's eyes in an old cartoon when they're being hypnotized and they're all swirls. It's just a bunch of circles inside of circles inside of circles. And I think for moths, which are already drawn to the moon, uh, to see like all these moons in in, uh, in succession would just be like whoa. And could really mess with a moth's brain. I, I like that. And maybe, maybe instead of like just whenever the moons are in that order, maybe having them like stacked like that causes some like focusing. So it's almost like mm. a shadow moving across the land. Mm, like like a like a bright shadow. Yeah, like all of the reflective energy just because it's all powering up. And I guess if if the largest ones in the back and they progressively get smaller it's kind of like a pointer <laughs> yeah. and it's just like pointing at the land and and they move and the shadow kind of swaths over the land and and we don't know where it's going to be kind of like um like total solar Ooh. eclipses where like oh you have to be in the right path for it right so, so it could it, be anywhere. they happen they happen all the time but in different parts of the world yeah we just got to be prepared yeah, you just got, I mean, sometimes you run into some really wild moths. And maybe I've probably met a moth or two in my time. Maybe I was even in an area of moon madness and didn't know it and got attacked by some moths. And that's also partly why my gloves are frayed. Is that perhaps a scene where we met? Yeah. Maybe I came that's in and calmed the moths and, and helped you out. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was desperate. And I think that that ties in with the the section of ask one to the left and one to the right. Uh, do you normally do that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go go for it. Ask, ask well, me then, either one or multiple or however many you want. Well, here we go. The first question. 
How did you save me when my inexperience tripped me up? <laughs> well, I guess there was some particular moths that were trying to, I don't know, maybe you had, I guess it was the, the gloves. They were trying to get at the, the gloves that you had. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe the hood used to be part of a whole outfit. Yeah, a jump <laughs> And now it's just a hood. <laughs> you started out wearing a onesie. <laughs> <laughs> a gigantic lemming onesie and, and now it's just the hood part of the onesie and the rest was eaten by mo- by rabid moths that's when mina rolls up and you see her turn her hat to the side as the music intensifies and throws out a moth <laughs> uh yes I send one of my own moths out to weaken it first <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Mina Tendum. <laughs> oh, Gotta tend them all. Oh. <laughs> Gotta tend them all. Yeah. Um, and, and, you and you also all. stole my bike? I <laughs> <laughs> didn't get very far on it because it was a little small. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, got, you got like, you got on the bike and immediately broke it. And so now I'm following you around demanding a second bike. In in attempting to calm the moths, I accidentally stepped on your bike. Yes. And now and that's I'm, why you're with me. Yeah, now I'm following you until you can furnish me with a new bike. Oh, I love that. Uh already got some good connections already and great. <laughs> Officially I'm I'm following you because of the bike, but unofficially, uh it's because I'm desperately lonely and you're one of the only kind people I've met on this journey. <laughs> bike's notwithstanding. Yeah. I mean the bike the bike's good. The bike's definitely key, but but there's definitely there are other reasons going on here. I like that a lot. And and perhaps that I, I, I calmed the moth and realized like, oh, you need somewhere to go. So I fished out a letter and, and <laughs> handed it one and sent it on its way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, after ki- after tending after excuse me, after calming the moth, you immediately enlist it to help you <laughs> deliver packages. I like that. I think maybe that that funnels in with uh, some of the things that I carry with me. Uh, that last part of my moth tender playbook. Uh, the yeah. first one is not super related, but it's the wisdom of my caring adoptive mother who reminded me to always be myself. Uh, other than the. Uh, wonderful words that that is i've also been using it to interject little like one-liners of as my mother used to tell me or as my mom always said i love that and the second one is a promise i made to my best friend that weighs heavy on my heart Uh, this is my best friend who still lives in our hometown at the moment Uh, their name is elicor loose zazem pronouns they're a small red panda who likes to collect postage stamps. Mm. Um, and Mina had promised to work at the Moth Tower in their hometown together once this journey was over, but she's on her journey, so she can't mm. right now. So it's weighing on her heart every day. Yeah, because and... the longer you stay away, the longer this promise goes unkept. Yeah. But I do send letters with postage sometimes, uh, so perhaps that's... Uh, um, how, do, perhaps how does that's... postage get affected when it's delivered by moths? Is there, like... How does that work? 
I'm not sure, but I've I've still been using postage stamps. You know, how do you make money? That's what I wouldn't know. <laughs> Is it that like sometimes when you find a mop that's been used before, someone like when a person delivers a, a package, the person is supposed to then pay for the postage and leave money on the moth. Like maybe the moths have little pouches or something that they're wearing that people put money into. And then the next moth tender that finds the moth will find the money and get to keep it. Potentially. Yeah. Maybe they have little backpacks on. Yeah. Or, or fanny packs. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Little moth fanny packs. All different colors. Yeah, because some of these moths, I think, some moths are just uh, wild moths that have never been, you know, interacted with in this way before. But you got to think that some of these moths are have basically employees of yeah. whatever larger agency or group this is, or organization. And I imagine, yeah, wearing fanny packs, visors, they have little boots on each of their, at the ends of each of their little legs. They just look like uh, tourists. <laughs> <laughs> fully except they also have like the 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 fanny packs are very clearly designed like with a zipper and stuff to hold money yes i like that and that's how you differentiate the ones that are that are working at the towers and ones that are wild moths yeah i love the amount of world building that's happening just in terms of how how moth mail works it's all important, and that's an amazing thing about this game, because just even doing this is is the game. I can't wait for us to play and not meet a single moth. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> uh, oh, I need to ask my second thing. Because uh, right, yeah. in this case, you are both my left and my right. Yes. This is my second question. Uh, well, this is technically the third question, but I'm asking it second. What do you know about the place that I seek that I haven't yet grasped? Oh, interesting. How does this, how does this come up in our journey? Like, how is it in a conversation that we have that you mention maybe a specific thing? Because um, I've traveled places. I haven't traveled an extensive amount yet, but mm. I probably have a knowledge of the world. I'm wondering you've only what met, you've only me met one lemming besides me, right? That's true. So oh, would... maybe, yeah, maybe it has something to do with them. Yeah, like maybe you even asked, you're like, hey, wait a minute, I've seen another lemming before. Uh, like, what, what? I don't know anything about this other lemming. So, but maybe like I, it was like, oh yeah, I've met, I've met a lemming, uh, but you seem really different than the previous lemming I met like even culturally what's going on here like where are you going and then i'm like oh yeah i'm blah 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 and then i'm like wait a minute wait a minute you met a lemming <laughs> and then that's how i explain to you like look i if i ever see this lemming again i'll have to help guide them because or we got to work together because us lemmings this is a big old world and this it can be scary sometimes and uh i got to help get this lemming to you know the special place uh, maybe maybe we'll call it the Snow Palace. Ooh, okay. Then, huh. Ooh, no, 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 no. The Snowasis. <laughs> that yeah. is the best name there could be. <laughs> this, we gotta get to the Snowasis. 
then I think what I know about the place is probably going to tie into one of those things you've given up on. The thing about, uh, what did you say it was? Being Ref- wise or reflective? reflective. Yeah. Uh, because I probably bring up that uh, not only like, physically literally reflective like oh if you look into an oasis or (laughs) you can see yourself i used to i used to be a mirror (laughs) uh probably probably something about like oh that sounds like a great place to just relax and think about how far you've come Mm, okay yeah and i'm like um maybe not yeah (laughs) (laughs) not sure how comfortable i am with this whole thinking about myself and my past and experiences i think it's better if we just stick with uh taking things as they come (laughs) yes all right and then i will ask you questions from my list and the first one i'm going to ask (laughs) this is probably like right after our interaction where i've let the moth go um and and i just ask you do you think the moths are as beautiful as I do? Oh, <laughs> as I'm like silently trying not to hyperventilate, uh, I think I probably would have, I think I would have said something to the effect of like, I would, I think I would have called them beautiful terrors <laughs> because I think I'm, I'm imagining like very fuzzy moths, like a lot of fuzzy moths, uh, beautiful fur, uh, they have, some of these have like the long, um, I don't even know what they're really called, but like the long tails sort of extending from their yeah. wings and, you know, all sorts of different spot patterns. Uh, the, some of them have the beautiful big antennas and big eyes and everything. I imagine, because there's a whole range of moth sizes, right? Mm-hmm. So some of them I'm like, oh, it's like they're so delicate. I would probably compare them to snowflakes. I think that's how I, what I would compare them to. Snowflakes that come in different size. Each one is different and unique. Each one is beautiful. But if you encounter them under the wrong circumstances and you're not prepared, they can also be deadly. <laughs> I think that probably makes Mino pause for a second and go, oh, okay, um, that is good to know. And she probably pulls out some of the mothballs and is like, you might want to hold on to these. <laughs> how big are the mothballs? <laughs> I don't know. That's up to you. I, I, I think like... I pick up, I think I can hold like two, <laughs> like one in each hand or one in each arm. That is one in each arm. And I add them to my pack. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> like I have, I have a big traveler's pack and I tie the mothballs onto either side of the pack. <laughs> I was going to say that, or maybe they have little like loops that you can like hook onto your walking stick too. Ooh. Yeah. Like a moth bola. They're yeah. tied together, so like if need be, I can swing them around and throw them, and they'll wrap around the moth. <laughs> and then that moth becomes your friend. Yeah, I can I can briefly immobilize and calm the moth, and then once I get in close, I can I can befriend the moth, uh, and we will live together in in peace until I arrive at a place that's too cold for invertebrates. Yes, uh, like like moths, and send it send it away. <laughs> I love that. Okay. And then I'll I'll go ahead and ask you another question. And that is going to be Hmm. When did I realize that I could trust you? And I think we can kind of take this in the way of like 
we started traveling together for for whatever reason there but something happened and i was like oh this person is really cool mm. um i imagine that at some point we ran afoul of a group of vagabonds who wished to plunder us for our mothballs um May, perhaps the moths in this area are particularly notorious. And so we were like having to flee from them, uh, maybe through a forest, but it was raining. Uh, uh, and we ended up near the, like the edge of a ravine that led down to a river. And because it had been raining pretty heavily, the river was, was swelling and was rushing pretty fast. And maybe there was, a bit of like, you know, as we're running, there's, you end up in like one of those cartoon situations where people try to stop, but end up slipping and crashing into each other and almost falling down. And so I like slam, I, I slammed my walking stick into the mud, uh, and threw down the mothball, like the mothball bola for you to grab onto the other mothball end. And then like anchored it around the walking stick and like braced myself my little body and managed to hold you and hold us both in place and save us oh that's so cool i like that you saved me from falling into the river below yeah and the vagabonds of course were swept away to an uncertain fate who knows they're probably still out there somewhere yeah Uh, they could swim yeah uh i imagine they were probably like uh otters or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Where they, these otters so vicious. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, tell me about it. So we were like, ah! And these otters were straight chasing us. <laughs> and so, yeah, they were swept away by the current. Wonderful. Okay, so we've got our characters together. We have some idea of our interaction while traveling. Two more questions before we take our break and then come back and roll into the actual play stuff. Um, but before before those questions, are, are there is there anything else you want to bring up about? Um, oh, do you have a name for your character yet? Um, I think so. Okay, I'm going to call myself, and this pronunciation of this is probably very poor, but. I'm going to call myself Eggbone Yin Yin. Eggbone first name, Yin Yin last name, or Yin Yin. I'm going to spell that Eggbone spelled E G B O N, and Yin Yin spelled Y I N Y I N. And that I just looked it up. Allegedly, now this is this is using Google Translator, so apologies to anyone who actually speaks this, but allegedly. Egbon is the Yoruba word, the Yoruba, uh, the Yoruba, be, Yoruba being a group of people uh, in West Africa, primarily uh, the Yoruba word for snow and Yinyin being the Yoruba word for ice, snow or icicle. All right. Well, wonderful to meet you, Egbon. Uh, and. Other than that, is there anything else about our characters or the story that you want to dive into a little bit more before wrapping it up with these questions? 
I think I think we've been pr- more than thorough with, with building <laughs> in some stuff into this backstory and into this world. So I'm I'm all good to go. Wonderful. All right. So the next question I'll ask, we've kind of gotten at this question a little bit in our creation, but in order to cement an idea a little more, I wanted to ask if there is anything in particular that you are looking forward to exploring in the Haith, whether that is a metaphorical idea, a literal physical image of our characters somewhere, kind of a little prompt of what 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 do you want to try and get out of the session? Mm, uh, I'm imagining a ravine, the bottom of a ravine. There, it's very rocky. Uh, there are small patches of shrubbery, um, and it's an overcast day. Uh, but at night, the clouds roll away, and you can see all of the stars and all four moons uh, beautifully above you. And the sky, I don't know what color the sky normally looks. Have we established what, what color the sky normally is? Not particularly, so we can kind of get wild with that. We've gotten wild with seasons in the past, so I imagine in this air in this region, the sky often looks purple at night, like a deep shade, a deep shade of purple, very deep and rich. Yeah. Okay, so that can kind of be where we picture ourselves as we begin. Mm -hmm. And then my last question. I ask all of my guests to add one physical attribute to the world. It can be something that you wish to explore in the session. It can be an addendum to a previous attribute, if you wish. Uh, You can be as in-depth or as broad as you want. But essentially, it's to help fill the world with beautiful and interesting and, and just stuff that is interesting to each guest as we go, so we can kind of have a collection of all of our ideas and things we find cool Mm. okay so this is my idea a crystalline field full of translucent jeweled flowers uh and emerald grass emerald blades of grass and as the wind blows through this field and all of the crystals, uh, uh, all of the crystals uh, collide with each other gently. Uh, they produce a music similar to wind chimes. But if you listen closely enough, you will hear that on these wind chimes, this music has lyrics, and those lyrics will tell you things about yourself that you either didn't know or didn't want to accept. And that is the hallow place that I have heard about. Ooh, I love that. Holy crap. <laughs> that is super cool. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. I feel like we have to go there at some point, but I have no idea. Whether we go there or not, it exists in the world, which is beautiful mm-hmm. in itself. Um, oh, wow. I can hear it right now. That's so cool. 
do you, do you happen to have a name for what this place might be or or is it just like a thing that has been been heard of or seen hmm my first thought would be to call it um crystal meadow uh the crystal meadow um i feel like that pretty much but i i wonder if wind chime meadow uh or whisper meadow or field of whispers Mm. uh would also work it probably has many different names too Mm, yeah that's true yeah, and I think the general belief is that those whispers and that music and really the existence of this field is due to the number of small gods that exist there, perhaps in dormant form. Super cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about that is all the, the super cool ideas that people come up with. <laughs> You were telling me some of the ideas other people had come up with, and I was like, dang, this is cool stuff. We have to break out something real interesting to to, to match up to this, the the pedigree that has been established so far. I promise anything that you came up with would have been just as interesting. I I give the examples not to, like, intimidate people. I I just think everybody's (laughs) ideas are so cool. Like that moving cave of secrets that that I told you about before, somebody else tagged onto that where there's another place that all knowledge goes. And then once people forget that knowledge, it goes into the cave of secrets. Ooh, maybe, maybe it's thought that the small gods that make this place up are or that dwell in this in the in the 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 whispering meadows uh maybe it's thought that those small gods were originally like stalactites and stalagmites in various formations that existed in that cave and which you know which have since then passed on into the world and have all of this knowledge that they share with anyone who happens to pass into the field yeah maybe the actual like segments that grew up were those stalagmites or stalactites that like breached the ground but got Mm. left there when the cave moved yeah yeah it could even be that there's more than one such field in the world this is so cool okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's like left behind after every single every single time the cave leaves it leaves behind a section of those small gods who know those who have that knowledge now who know those secrets dang okay wow (laughs) (laughs) this is exciting this is very exciting i i like i've always like visualized all of these things and it's just all like coming together in one big picture it's like so cool so cool to me Everybody's yeah. got super cool brains and super cool ideas. <laughs> it's what makes this it's what makes this game work. <laughs> <laughs>